Today, I want to continue a conversation. I want to talk to you about it. Everybody look here and say, I want to talk to you about something that, that you don't normally hear talk about in church. I'll just be honest with you, okay? So you'll see as we get into it, it's like, yeah, that sounds like something you, you don't normally hear in church. You talk about spiritual things in church, and this feels a little, like, different. And so you're going to hear that, but I promise you this, okay? I want to tell you this, that what, what I want to talk to you about today is relevant to every last person in this room. Guaranteed. And I'll tell you why I can guarantee that in a minute, okay? But it is, it is relevant to every last one of you in this room. So started a conversation. Pastor Aiden did a great job kicking it off. Good goals, bad gods. And we just simply said it's a great time of the year to talk about goals, right? Beginning of the year, people set goals, and goals are not a bad thing. Uh, goals are just something that we aim for or something that we shoot for so that we can get a desired result, right? And so goals aren't a bad thing. Many of us set goals. Some of you are goal setters. Some of you just are, are uh, obsessed with setting goals. How many would you say, I'm a, I'm a goal setter. I love to set goals. How many of you? Nice and I want to see I'm talking to. All right. Now, the rest of you need to start. I'm just saying, right? But, but some of you got health goals, good stuff, financial goals, personal goals, vocational goals, educational goals. I hope you have some spiritual goals. It's just setting Setting something in front of you so that you can achieve a desired result. And so I need goals to be able to get to a desired result in my life. If I'm not a goal setter, ready? Some of you didn't raise your hand. Brace yourself. If I'm not a goal setter, uh, a guy named Zig Ziglar, he's an author, he said this. He said, if I aim at nothing, I'm going to hit it every time, right? You see, if I don't set goals, I'm going to somehow hit what I'm setting out there and I'm not setting anything out there. All of a sudden, I'm going to be futile in reaching my goals. See, goals are not a bad thing. Everybody listen up. Goals are not a bad thing. Goals are not the problem. The problem is this, when my goals become my God's. That's where the problem comes into play, and so it begs this question. Well, what in the world do you mean by that? What is a God? Well, God is just something that is supreme in my life. A God is something that I derive value and purpose from, give meaning to me somehow. That is a God. I say it this way. A God is something that has become ultimate in my life. And so here's how we think about goals. When my goals, which are good, become ultimate, they become God's. I'm going to say it again. When my goals, which are good, all of a sudden become ultimate, they become my God. And you see, that becomes a problem, not only for me, but that becomes a problem for God. You already know that because most people, you don't have to go to church to know this. You don't have to read the Bible to know this. Most people know that God has a top 10, right? There's this thing called the Ten Commandments, right? And when you read the Ten Commandments, which are found in the first part of your Bible called Exodus, here's what it says. Exodus 23 says, you shall have no other, say the word out loud with me, gods before me. God said, I don't want you to have another god, something that's ultimate, something that kind of takes the place of me in your life. In fact, the Bible talks about this over and over again. God is so concerned about it over and over again that when I have a God before me, a God before God in my life is something the Bible calls an idol. And 1 John says this, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Now everybody look here a second. Some of you are thinking, I know you're thinking this. Some of you are thinking, phew, this would be easy Sunday because I don't have any idols. Some of you are thinking that because you're like, man, I look at my house. I don't have any statues. I don't have any, I'm not that kind of guy. I don't have anything that I worship. And the truth is, you may not have any idols in your home, but the truth is, more than likely, you have some idols in your heart. In fact, write this down somewhere on your notes. Somewhere on your notes, I want you to write this down. That our hearts are actually idol factories. 
that our hearts are idol factories, that we manufacture idols in our heart at a rapid pace sometimes. And so when we think about our hearts being idol factories, say, Dan, where do you get that from? Well, I think about what it says in Ezekiel 14. It says this, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. That literally idols aren't something simply that we physically worship, bow down to, but they are things that we set up in our heart. A guy named Tim Keller, I think Aiden shared this with you last week. He wrote a book. You ought to write the name of this book down, get it, read it, easy read, good book. Counterfeit Gods is the name of the book. Tim Keller is the name of the author. But he says it maybe better than I can, so I thought we put it up here. Look at this. Our contemporary society, us now, that's what that's talking about, is not fundamentally different from these ancient ones, Bible times and beyond. Each culture is dominated by its own set of idols. Each has its priesthoods, its totems, its rituals. Each one has its shrines, whether office towers, spas and gyms, studios or stadiums, where sacrifices must be made in order to procure the blessings of the good life and ward off disaster. What are the gods of beauty, power, money, and achievement, but these same things that have assumed mythic proportions in our individual lives and in our society? Now look at this next part. Look at this. We may not physically kneel before the statue of Aphrodite, but many young women today are driven into depression and eating disorders by an obsessive concern over their body image. We may not actually burn incest to Artemis, but when money and career are raised to cosmic proportions, we perform a kind of child sacrifice, neglecting family and community to achieve a higher place in business and gain more wealth and prestige. All he's saying is that idols, even though you may not see them, may not be a statue we bow down to, that we have idols in our heart that we literally worship, serve, that become the ultimate thing in our life. Jesus got in on the conversation. Aiden shared this with you last week. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You cannot serve two masters. You're going to hate one, love the other, be devoted to one, despise the other. And then he uses an illustration. He said, you can't serve both God and money. Yes or no? Money is bad. Yes or no? No. Money's not bad. That's not what he's saying. But when money, which can be good, and the goal to make money and all that can be good, when it becomes ultimate, it becomes a God. That's what he's talking about. It becomes a God in my life. Now, everybody look here a second. I don't want to talk to you about your money today. I go, whew, good, right? Today, for a few minutes, here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about your body. That ought to be neat, right? You see, I told you it's relevant to every last one of us in this room. You know why? Because you all got a body. And for some of you in the room, some of you, this is going to be extremely relevant to you where you're at, I promise you. If you're here and you're a parent, going to be a parent, I really want you to listen because you need a grid for which to have this conversation. You need a grid through which we live in a culture that's obsessed, preoccupied with our body. You see, here's the deal. Our bodies, our bodies are good. Just like money, our bodies are good. Now, I've already preached this twice. This is the third time. I wish you could have my perspective up here. Because when I say our bodies are good, some of you are like, yeah, darn right, my body's good, right? And others of you are like, you really seriously think my body's good? Our bodies are good, right? They're the way we identify ourselves. They're the way we represent ourselves to the world. They're the way we describe people to other people, right? Hey, do you know so-and-so? Yeah, yeah, they're tall and lean and muscular. They're short and low to the ground or whatever. I don't know. However we describe people, right? I don't know where that came from. But anyways, uh, uh, we describe people by their bodies. Our bodies are good. In fact, let's go a step further. A lot of our goals revolve around our bodies. 
Some of you have goals. In fact, money and body is the two, number one, number two things that we revolve our New Year's resolution and goals around. And so a lot of our goals, you know, I want to have bigger biceps, ripped abs, smaller waist, in shape, whatever it might be, right? Uh, I share this at Christmas time. I go to the YMCA. How many go to the YMCA? Anybody? Go to the, just a couple of you, okay? And, and I found out new terminology there because every January they're, they're busier than during the year. You notice that? And, and, and so one of the old guys that's there, he said, yeah, we just call those people that show up January. We don't see the rest of the year. We call them the resoluters is what we call them, right? But, but, but people come like because they have a goal with their body. And they want to achieve something with their body. In fact, the body, our bodies have become such a, a point of focus that the health industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Multi-billion dollar industry. It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. Let me just make the point. It's amazing. You can look, you can go to the gym, and it's amazing the personal trainers that you'll find. I can remember a time when you had to almost be a professional athlete or at least a college-level athlete to have a personal trainer. I go to the YMCA. There's housewives, grandmas, things like that. They have personal trainers. I meet people here. Some of you all say, hey, I'm working with my personal trainer. Everybody seems to have a personal trainer. Not only that, but we live in a time where there's promised results. Now, if you look this ad up, here's what it says. 20 minutes a day, six days a week. If you do this guy's workout, you're going to look like that. Everybody look here. I want to tell you the truth. I've tried it. I have tried it. The only thing on my body that looks like that is my head. Is the only thing that looks like that, dude. I'm just telling you. Right? You see, we have these promised results. If you do what I'm doing and I can make sure it's going to be quick, you're going to have this result. And we become consumed with that. We become obsessed with it. I want to look like that guy. Not only that, but there is a gazillion different kinds of workouts, right? You can spin, you can run, you can swim, you can do aerobics, right? You can lift weights. In fact, the, the big craze today, it seems to me, the big craze today is everybody wants to do cross, what's it called, cross fit. You've heard of it, right? It's crazy. I have nothing against CrossFit. If you're a CrossFitter in here, good for you. Just don't ask me if I want to come do burpees with you, right? I am so sick and tired of people saying, hey, you want to go do some burpees? No, I'm a granddad. I'll do my burpees with my grandson is what I'm thinking, right? You see, we have all the, here's the thing about the different exercises we have. Here, here, it's just fascinating. I was talking to my son, Aaron, about this yesterday. We went and worked out together, and I work out in the old man section of the gym now. But, but, but I said to him, I said, you know, it's funny, Aaron. When I was 18 to 22 in his age bracket, I worked out a certain way. And then it's funny because you get to, to, to working out, and then you read this article. It says all the ways in which you're working out is wrong. You need to work out this way. And so I start working out this way. And a few years later, you read that all the ways you're working out are wrong. You need to work out this way. And then you start working out this way. And it feels like every so many years, they tell you the way that you're working out is wrong, that the better way to work out is this, that everybody gets confused, right, about the best way to work out. There's so many workouts, so many different ways to exercise. Not only that, let me get an amen on this. There is so many different kinds of supplements today. Can I get an amen on that? Like, it's almost uncomfortable, right? I mean, there is supplements to make yourself look young, get skinny, get more energy, think better, all kinds of supplements that you can think of today. In fact, I shared this with last service. I don't know if you've experienced this. There are so many supplements that it makes it uncomfortable to watch TV in mixed company nowadays, right? I mean, I live with my mother-in-law, and there's something like, oh, my Lord, you know, can we turn the channel, right? It's crazy to me how many supplements there are that we want to have so that our body can be and do and whatever in certain ways. B12, 
Beyond that, there's all kinds of diets, right? Some of you might recognize some of these. Atkins, Grapefruit, Weight Watchers, right? South Beach diet. There's all kale diet. There's the ketogenic diet. There's the fin diet. You ever do that one? The fin diet? How many have done the fin diet? Anybody done the fin diet? Anybody done that? Ever heard, never heard of that? Heard of that? Yeah, I just heard of it this week. I called Pastor Aiden. I said, hey, brother. His last name's Finn. I said, Pastor Aiden, I said, listen, you're going to be a dad. I didn't realize it was going to be this weekend. And I said, I listened to your sermon. I said, you know, I know we've always laughed about, you know, he's kind of work out and then stop. And then I said, but, but you're probably going to turn over a new leaf. He said, Dan, I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm going to get healthy. He said, I'm on a diet. I said, well, tell me about this workout program. Tell me about your diet. He said, here's how it is. He said, I started drinking Diet Coke today. That's my plan is what he said. <laughs> I said, good luck, brother. I said what I said to him. When it comes to our bodies, we all have one. We all have one. And when it comes to our bodies and approaching our bodies, stay with me, lean in. If you're a parent, lean in. If it, when it comes to our bodies, many times what happens is we go to one of two extremes. We go to one of two extremes. And I want you to see if you can find yourself this morning. The first extreme that we go to is this, is that some of us are consumed with our bodies. Here's what it means to be consumed with your body. The good goals that you have that revolve around your body, they become your God. And so some of you in the room, you're like, I I know people like that, right? That's the gym rat, right? That's the workout fanatic. That's the nutritional Nazi. That's the person whose workout of the day is the most important part of their day. And that's somebody who's consumed with their body. In fact, I want you to see if you can find yourself. Ready? I wrote some things down. Let's see if we can find ourselves. The fact of the matter is I might be consumed with my body. And my goals might have become my gods if, you ready? Just, just lean in. I spend more time at the gym than I do at home. My goals might be my gods if I'm more worried about how I look than who I help. My goals might be my gods if I'm always comparing myself to others. My goals might be my gods if I'm more focused on my appearance than I am the state of my heart, if I care more about how I look than who I am. My goals might be my gods if I'm obsessed with having the perfect body, if I know more about the ingredients in my smoothie than I do the names of my neighbors. My goals, stay with me, might be my gods if I want my body to draw attention to me whether that be my big muscles, my nice figure, or even just the artwork to draw attention to me. My goals might be my gods if my lifestyle is completely controlled by my workouts and nutritional regimen. Shh, lean in. My goals might be my gods. You ready? If I hate my body. And because I hate my body, I tend to cut my body. Or I tend to make myself throw up because I don't like my body. And I don't want my body to get fat. You see, there are some, we live in a culture obsessed with our bodies. And we become consumed with our bodies For some of us, it's comparing our bodies. For others of us, it's getting the perfect body. For some of us, it's like it's our identity. So we like it when we walk in the room and say, man, did you see that guy? He's ripped. Or did you see her? She, you know, whatever it might be. We become consumed with our body. But see, there's another extreme. And the other extreme is we're not consumed with our body. We become careless with our body. 
And that extreme is simply this, that I don't have any goals when it pertains to my body, and so I just ignore God when it comes to my body. I'm just going to let myself go physically. I don't care. I could care less about it. When it comes to being careless with my body, I want you to see if you can find yourself. I might be careless and have no goals that ignore my God if I'm the person in the room who sarcastically and cynically makes fun of those workout kind of people because I feel insecure about my body. I might be careless if the only goal that I have when it comes to eating is to eat whatever I want whenever I want. I might be careless if the people at McDonald's know my first name. (laughs) That was nervous laughter right there. (laughs) I'm not looking up to see who laughed, okay? I might be careless if my exercise goal is to push up from my recliner and walk to the refrigerator. Shh, lean in, lean in. I might be careless if I'm abusing my body with a substance like alcohol or drugs. I might be careless with my body if I'm sexually promiscuous. I might be careless with my body if I'm deciding to do whatever I want to sexually because it's my body. See, what's interesting about people who become careless with their body is there's some of it, and maybe you're here, we can even spiritualize it. I've been around people who, who literally become careless with their body. Like, that's because I don't care about my body because I only care about what matters, my heart. And we spiritualize it, right? It's almost like, well, my body doesn't matter, but my heart does, so I'm focusing on my heart. The problem is, stay with me, when I'm consumed with and when I'm careless with my body, in both cases, I limit my effectiveness for what God might be inviting me to do. When I'm careless with my body, I might not be getting enough rest, enough exercise, enough nutrition, so I might not have the energy, the strength, the resilience to do what God's inviting me to do. When I'm consumed with my body, all I can think about is how am I going to make this body exactly what it needs to be, what it should be, what I wish it was, and I have no margin to do what it is that God is inviting me to do. And we live in a culture that is obsessed with body. And so for some people, it causes them to be consumed. For others, it's like, I can never, ever have a body that looks like that, so I just don't care. It begs the question, what's the anecdote? What's the answer? What in the world does God have to say that speaks into the goals I have regarding my body? For the next 15 minutes, I want to share two passages that I think are important. Two passages that I think everyone in the room needs to know. Two passages. If you're a teenager, young adult, I really want you to lean in. Two passages. If you are a parent, I want you to have this grid work. Because I think God has something to say about our bodies that helps us begin to form the conversation. First one is open in your laps. It's 1 Corinthians 6. Here's what it says. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Interesting who is in you, whom you have received from God. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, he says this, honor God with your bodies. What is God saying here? I want you to write it down this way. God is simply saying this, is that my body is a temple that the Holy Spirit lives in. For those who have said yes to Jesus, the minute you say yes to Jesus, the Bible teaches this, the Spirit of God resides within. And I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. My body is worship space. My body is where the Spirit of God lives. And then he says this, my body has been bought at a price. And therefore, because 
It is his worship space. It's where he resides. It's been bought by the blood of Jesus. He says, therefore, I want you to honor God with your body. Guys, that is the answer, the anecdote to being careless with my body. When I understand that my body is the spirit of God's residing place, it is worship space, and it's been bought with a price, and therefore he says, I want you to honor me. Here's the deal. It, it is the anecdote to me not taking care of my body. Because when I don't take care of my body, I'm saying I could care less that this is worship space where the spirit of God resides. It is the anecdote to me abusing my body. Because when I'm abusing my body, I'm saying I could care less that this body is the spirit of God's residing place. That he bought this body with a price and therefore he wants me to honor him with my body. It is the answer to me promiscuously doing whatever I want to sexually. We live in a culture. I know what I'm saying is countercultural. I already know that. We live in a culture. It's my body. I'll do whatever I want to sexually. And what he's saying is, no, no, listen. When I understand that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, I can't simply say I could care less what God has to say about his temple. I could care less what God has to say about this worship space. He's saying that is the anecdote, the answer. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not all he says. If you flipped one book over to not 1 Corinthians but 2 Corinthians, he says this. For we know what in this earthly tent we live in. So look what he's doing. He's saying we live in a tent. Like I don't live in a tent. He's calling our bodies a tent. It's taken down. That's when we die and leave this earthly body. We have a house in heaven, an eternal body, made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we'll put on heavenly bodies. We'll not be spirits without bodies. Look what he says, verse 4. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. Amen? Like our bodies hurt, right? But, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Listen, what's he saying? I want you to write this down somewhere, and, it, and, and then we'll bring it together. My body is a temporary tent that I live in to accomplish God's purposes. That's what he's saying. He said these bodies that we live in, he, he, it's a metaphor he's using. They're like tents that God gives us. And when, when you live in a tent, it's temporary, it, it, it's for a designed temporary purpose. I'm going to go tent camping for a certain amount of time. And so our bodies are these temporary structures that he gives us to live in for whatever time, whether it's 70 years, 40 years, 80 years, 120, however long we live, this tent we live in. And our bodies are tents, and that helps me understand my body. Because just like a tent, listen, some of you aren't old enough to appreciate what I'm getting ready to say. Just like a tent... My body sometimes comes apart. Can I get an amen on that? Just like a tent, I can tell somebody too young, my body needs to be repaired. You see, it's just like a tent. And just like a tent, not all tents are the same. Right? Not all tents hold up the same. He's saying my body is a tent. And that's the anecdote to me being consumed with my body. When I realize, hey, I got this tent 
How silly is it for me to be consumed with the tent and not consumed with the one who lives inside the tent? And so what he's saying is this. Write this on your notes somewhere. My body is a temple tent. That's what my body is. It is a temple tent. And when I see my body as this temporary tent in which the Spirit of God lives, I can begin to develop an accurate view of my body where I'm not consumed with it and I'm not careless with it. So, so Dan, if I'm not consumed with it and if I'm not careless with it, then, then, then what in the world is the proper perspective when it comes to my body? Write this word down. I'm going to consecrate my body. That sounds like an old church word. I got it. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. My goal with my body is to devote my body to God for his purposes. That's my goal. My goal with my body isn't to be consumed with it, to be careless with it, but to devote it to God for his purposes. That's why he gave it to me. You're saying, Dan, are you just like, is that just that kind of a cool C word to add? In the, no. Look what it says Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, look at this, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He's saying that that's what it means to worship God, that, that my body is yours for your purposes to draw attention to God. That's what he's saying. Imagine, imagine this with me for a minute. Some of you know this and some of you don't, but, but, but I drive old cars. always have and still do. How many of you in the room drive old cars? Let me see who I'm talking to. Okay, this is the most of any service, right? I love you guys, all right? But, but I drive an old car and always have. I don't know what my dad did, I do, and so I drive old cars. Imagine my car didn't, didn't start. And imagine I couldn't get to work, couldn't go get groceries. Imagine you, you found that out. And so imagine that you said to me, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, hey, you can borrow my car. Chances are your car is going to be newer than my car and nicer than my car. Amen, right? Because I drive an old car. And so imagine you loaned me your car so that I could go to work, so that I could get my groceries, take my family to the doctor, whatever I needed to do. Imagine I did it. Imagine I said, wow, thanks. You threw me the keys. And imagine I fly out of your driveway 100 miles an hour, right? Drive that car, your car. Maybe it's a nice 2016 Honda Civic, whatever. I don't know what it is that you drive. But you let me use your car. It's got all the bells and the whistles and whatever and whatnot. And I take that thing and I drive that to my house. And imagine with your car, if I pull in my driveway and I hook a strap up to the back bumper of that car because I got some tree stumps need pulled out of my yard. And I use your car to start pulling those tree stumps up. Now, some of you are looking at, you ain't going to ever let me use your car, are you, right? Why? Because it's your car. And, and what am I doing with your car? I'm being what? Well, I don't know. I need a tree stump pulled out. I'm going to do whatever I want with this car. And I forget the fact that it's your car. I'm being careless with a car that you purchased and you gave to me. See how that works? You see, equally as weird would be this. If I took your really, really nice car... And I drove it home and you gave it to me so I could go to work, go to the doctor and do the things I needed to do. And if I was so enthralled because your car is so much nicer than my car, if all I did was wash your car, wax your car, drive it to the end of my driveway and park it there so that everybody could be impressed that I had a really cool new car, but I never drove it anywhere. You'd look at me and say, that's not why I'm letting you borrow my car. I'm letting you borrow my car so that you can get to work, so that you can accomplish what you need to at the grocery store, so that you can take your family to the doctor. 
You see, here's the deal. When God gives us these bodies, he's saying, listen, when I understand it is a temple tent that he gave me, that he purchased for me, I can't be careless with what is his. And it's crazy for me to be consumed and not use it for his purposes. When the purpose of my life becomes simply so that people look at my body, look at me, I've lost sight of the purpose. I love how a guy named Rick Warren put it. This is worth writing down. He says, when it comes to my body, God created it. Jesus died for it. The Holy Spirit lives in it. So I better take care of it. I love that. God created my body. Jesus died for it. The Holy Spirit lives in it, so I want to take care of it. So everybody look here a second. I want to tell you something about reading the Bible, and then I want to land, land this. So what I just shared with you is what God says about our body. It is a temple in which the Holy Spirit lives. It is a tent that's temporary, given to me to accomplish His purposes. And so God's desire for our body is that we consecrate it. When you read the Bible, everybody look here a second. When you read the Bible, when you read the Bible, you do not, ready? It's going to sound weird at first. You do not read the Bible for information. A lot of people read the Bible for information. If you only read it for information, like, oh, I want to be able to win the Bible trivia game, or I want to be able to argue with the people at work, or I want to know that if, if that's all you read it for, the Bible is not going to help you. The Bible was meant to be engaged with and read for transformation. And that means I got to read it and get information. What does it say? But then I got to take the next step and say, so what, now what? When I read what God has to say to me, I got to say, what is he saying? So what? What difference does it make? How do I find myself in there? Now what do I do? That's transformation. And when it comes to our bodies, we got to find ourselves and we say, now what do I do? And there's several implications to what God's saying this morning. And then we're done. First is this. If my body is truly his temple, then I'm going to make it my goal. You ready? If my body is his temple... I'm going to make it my goal not to be careless with my body. And for some of you, that is, that is the implication. For some of you, you might be here this morning and you're like, okay, man, I didn't know we were coming to talk about our body. And somehow you could care less. Even the fact that I said we we're going to talk about our body kind of said, oh, no, this is not my wheelhouse. And, and, and when God says that your body is his temple, it means that my goal is that I cannot be careless with my body. Here's what that means for some of us in this room. It means we're just going to start moving. Like you don't have to be a workout fanatic. It, it means that I'm going to start caring for my body. Like I'm going to start taking a walk, Right? I'm going to start walking with my spouse, my neighbors, whatever it might be. I'm going to do what I can do. For others of us, I, 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 not being careless with our body means I'm going to replace what I used to eat with something that actually is more nutritious because it's his temple. For some of us, lean in. It means I'm going to recognize that I'm abusing my body. with substances, drugs, alcohol. And right now, because it's his temple, I'm going to raise my hand and say, I need help. I've done this long enough to know in a, in a room this size, there are some of you that are struggling right now. And no one else knows. 
But the people that are closest to you, they figured it out. And you've told yourself, I'll get a handle on this. I've done this long enough to know that you won't get a handle on it by yourself. And you're in the right place. We have a group of people that meet Tuesday night. We have a group of people that meet Thursday night. Wonderful people. People, Some of them are my heroes, walking a pathway of recovery. And if my body is truly his temple, it's like I cannot continue to go through life caring less about my body. But now's the time for me to say, I need help because I'm destroying my body. If my body is his temple... For some of us in the room, a room this size, I guarantee, room this size, it, it means this. If my body is his temple, that he bought it, and now it's his possession, it means that I can no longer just do whatever I want to do sexually. It's my body. No, no, he said, that when I've said yes to Jesus, my body becomes worship space in whom the Holy Spirit of God lives. And so my body is his. Listen, everybody look here saying, I know what I'm saying is, is exactly against the current of our culture. I get it. Our culture says, hey, if it's not hurting anybody else, whatever you want to do. And what God says is, no, 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 no. If my body is his temple and he bought it, I can't drive that thing home and do whatever I want to do. I can no longer be careless. That word means this, no longer care less about what he thinks about my body. If my body is a temporary tent, it means that my goal will be to not be consumed with my body. Listen to what I mean by that. My goal is to take care of my body, not to worship my body. My goal is is to somehow see my body and working out as a means to an end, but my life's not going to end if I miss my workout. You're like, are there people like that? There are. My goal is not to be consumed with my body. It means that my body is not going to be the object of attention, but the one who resides within my body. See how it works? We just talk frank in here, and, and I, I hang out with young adults every Sunday night. You store with teenagers. I get it. You walk in, and it becomes this guys are bowing up and girls are comparing. You see, if my body is a temporary tent given for his purposes, it means my goal is I don't want to compare. I will tell you this, I've worked with young adults and teenagers long enough to know, to know this. The whole comparison game usually is predominant among gals. I'm not saying it doesn't happen with guys. Usually it's predominant, and I've never seen it end in a beneficial way. I just haven't. You see, when I become, when I become aware that my body is a temporary tent, I realize that comparing won't take me where God wants to lead me. When I realize my body's a temporary tent, I'll make it my goal not to be consumed with my body. Ready, ready, ready? Listen, listen. Which means if I hate my body, 
if I hate my body and maybe I'm cutting my body or maybe I'm forcing my body to do things it doesn't naturally want to do so that I don't, I'm going to raise my hand in the appropriate setting to get help. I want to say this tenderly. A room this size, I guarantee you I'm talking to somebody. And, 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 and you're in the right spot. You see, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it is a temporary tent that has been given to me to accomplish His purposes. And see, when I begin to get that perspective, it forms a grid for me. It, 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 if, if that's not you I'm talking to, some of y'all are parents, this is the grid. Because your children will face this. And culture is going to scream at them about their body. Their bodies aren't bad. But when goals become gods, all of a sudden, I'm in a different space. Let me share a couple other things with you and then we're done. Because, listen close, this will not necessarily be relevant to all of you in the room right now, but it will someday. It will be relevant to you if you're my age or older, I guarantee. Some of you are like, don't look at people, but there are people in here older than me. Okay? Because my body, listen close, I have a friend going through this right now. Because my body is a temple tent. Even when my body fails in sickness and starts to deteriorate and comes apart... Can I get an amen? Anybody been there? Yeah. You get to an age where things start hurting you didn't know you had. When that begins to happen, God can still use my body to bring glory to himself. Here's the way to look at it. If my body is a tent that is a temple in whom the Spirit of God resides, think of it this way. When my body starts to fray and come apart, figuratively speaking, when it starts to break down, what's inside starts to show up. See how that works? I've seen this, guys. I've seen it. I have a dad that illustrated it. I watched my dad's body fail him. It was awful. It was awful. And it seemed like the more my dad's body came apart, the more the Spirit of God came out. I'd watch him in the hospital room, not able to go to the bathroom on his own talking to the nurses helping him about Jesus. And I'm like, like, whoa. You see, when my body, so we get frustrated. It's like, I'm going to be good. And then when our body starts to fall apart, and it will, and it does, we get frustrated. Why? Because we're consumed with our body. I don't want to be careless. I'm consumed. But when that begins to happen, even then, the one who resides inside can begin to show up. See how it works? Because here's what I know about our body. You ready? Ready? Here's the good news. You'll be glad you came to church today. Eventually, all of our bodies will die. Like, thanks, Dan. (laughs) Go and peace be with you, right? All of our bodies will eventually die. Isn't that amazing? We become so consumed with our bodies. We're like, man, we'll live forever. And everybody ends up dying. Everybody dies. But I took 42 supplements and did 16 workouts, and I died. I had a friend that said, life's tough, then you die, right? Here's the deal, okay? Listen, listen. 
I've been a pastor 25 years. I've done hundreds of funerals. When I die, I realize that laying in that casket that everybody's going to be looking at, and they're all going to come, which is kind of a weird custom, but we do it. We come and view, and we're like, that is my tent. Tell families this all the time. That's my tent. And of all the hundreds of funerals I've ever done, and the viewings that I've participated in, I can't think of a time where somebody has come up and said, wow, look at his awesome arms, man. Aren't they awesome? How big his biceps are. You don't do that at a viewing. Look at her figure, man. She's incredible. Nobody does that at funerals. You know what they talk about? They talk about that person's life lived inside of that tent. You see, it begins to help me realize, wow, God gave me this tent, which is his temple, to live out his purposes. And the thing that's going to last well beyond my tent, which is going to go, will be the life somehow that I've lived inside of that tent. Which leads me here, and we're done. Which is exactly why Jesus came in a body. Did you know that? He came in a body. You know why? We could touch him, see him. God in the flesh, Christmas. Guess what? They killed his body. They killed his body. Guess what? They buried his body. His body was buried. Guess what? Three days later, his body rose from the grave. You know why? Because he knew every last one of us in this room were sinners. And he loves us. And he knew the only solution to our sin was that he, the perfect one, come and live the life none of us have. Right? So that he could offer to us something none of us could ever achieve on our own. So that the minute we place our faith and trust in Jesus who died for us, we say yes to Jesus the Spirit of God resides within. My body becomes worship space. It becomes a tent to carry out His purposes. So that when I die, like He did, they're going to bury me in the ground. They're going to plant this body in the ground. But for those who've said yes to Jesus, Second Corinthians said this, I'm going to get a new body. I have a living hope, Garrett let us in. I have a resurrection body. And you see, that's the hope of the gospel. Can I ask you this question, then I'm going to pray and we're going to be dismissed. Have you ever said yes to Jesus? Have you ever placed, I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you're moral. I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking. I'm saying, have you said yes to Jesus? It is the only solution to your sin. It's the only way to have a relationship with God. And it's the only hope for eternity. That's why he came and died. And so God, thank you for our bodies. And I want to pray for my friends in this room right now. I don't know where they're all at. But there are some, and I want to pray over them right now. I just want to pray over some in this room. You know who you are. I don't know who you are. You know who you are. But there are some in this room that are consumed with their bodies. Some of them right now are struggling because in in some way that's what they worship. They're obsessed with having the perfect body, the perfect workout. They want every, maybe that's you. And I want to pray for them, God. That you would lead them to a place of being obsessed, consumed with you. 
God, there are some, and I want to pray over them, and this might be you, who hate their body. They hate their body. God, I pray that you would help them to get the perspective that this is the body that you created, gave to them, Spirit of God lives inside the tent with which to accomplish your purposes, and that, God, they would consecrate. Some of them right now are struggling, and they're they're doing things to their body, and that might be you, and I pray you'd give them the courage to raise their hand, reach out for help, embrace the hope and the help that comes from you. God, I want to pray over some in this room that, that right now are abusing their body. They're abusing their body with substance and whatever it might be, and, and they don't know how to find air. They can't get to a place where they can get past that. And God, I pray that you would help them to grab a hold of you and raise their hand and say, I need help because my body is your temple. God, there are some maybe sitting here, and I want to pray over them that, 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 that they are it's such a futile thing to have the body that everybody else has that they've just gotten careless with their body. And I pray that you would resurrect in them a perspective that says this is the body given to me by God to be worship space for God, to accomplish his purposes. And Father, I pray for those in the room who have never said yes to Jesus that this would be the opportunity, the moment that they realize that's why Jesus came, that's why he died, so that we could have forgiveness of sin, relationship with you, and hope forever. Thank you. Forgive, thank you for speaking into something that our culture wants to just scream messages at us about and giving us a grid through which to have this conversation. I love you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.